Welcome back to the Brian DeVore Connection. I'm your host, Brian DeVore. We have kind of a unique show today. Um, With me is my friend, Dr. Ken Druck. Um, I've known Ken for a few years now. Um, Noted author, um, therapist, and a whole host of other amazing accomplishments that he's done, um, including uh, writing a couple different books. I've had the chance to read one. But another one is coming out, and so I want, definitely want to lead to that too. Ken, how are you doing today? Great. So good to be with you, Brian. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. Um, when we talked a few weeks ago about what we were going to talk about, the first thing we did was just kind of catch up yeah. on our lives, yeah. which I really am grateful for. Um, you've had some changes. As have you. As, uh, as have I. So uh, since we last saw each other, I've gotten married. Um, I now have three people under the age of 27 living in my house who I'm not related to by blood. Oh, my God. So lots going on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, lots of change. And changes yeah. in your life, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, the primary change is coming out of COVID um, and having a book write me. You know, usually you tell people, oh, you know, I'm writing a book. Well, my boss, me, had given myself a couple of years off. I've written three books in seven years. Went to the, you know, thankfully they went right to the top of the Amazon bestsellers list. My boss said, why don't you take a couple of years off? Get a life. Enjoy yourself. Take a breath. Have a morning where there's nothing to do. You can go walk on Torrey Pines, whatever. Enjoy your your Enjoy your my grandkids. Yeah. You'll have time with the grandkids. And so I listened. I took that time off, especially with COVID because I was kind of the COVID grandpa. My grandsons named me Poppy, you know, so here I was, the Poppy, the Poppy nanny. So I stopped writing, I stopped, I took my foot off the the gas pedal, and I started relaxing into a new season of life, and into a new time. And then I found, I woke up, kept waking up in the morning, and I was with book. You know, it's, it's the closest we guys can come to feeling like we're pregnant, my <laughs> God, you know, it's like there's a, some, sometimes it's a nauseous feeling, sometimes things are stirring inside of you. And for me, I was with book, and I kept having this idea that everything I had ever done, all of my life's work, and all the books that I had written fit under the umbrella of something that I, the words came to me, how we go on, how we go on how we as human beings deal with, whether it's waking up in the morning, how we face the day, how we wind the day down, remembering all the good things that might have happened, or discarding all the stuff that we don't need to drag into the night sleep or into the next day, you know, into our future, letting go of certain things. But it's how we go on is also about turning 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 90. It's also about all that, how we go on from all the challenges that we face, that life throws, all the unexpected, unwelcome curves in the road, as well as all the opportunities. Like, oh my God, you know, I won the lottery, you know, or something. I'm married, I've got, I'm living with, you know, three kids or three children, the children of my spouse. How do I go on from that? How do I, you know, what do I do? And so what is our process about figuring that out, about coming to terms, about recalculating, recalibrating, pushing the reset button, and living our best possible life? And that's what I, 
that's what's new in my life is that I've been writing. Yeah. Or it's not I've been writing. It's been writing You've been with me. Book. I've been with book, and I finally finished the first draft. Now I'm in that phase that we go through, you know, whether we're in real estate, whether we're in writing books, whether we're architects or whatever, that final stage where we're taking all the wrinkles out of what we've done, what we've created, so that it's fluid and effortless and seamless, and the people that we're serving can delight in it, can, can read it, can understand it, get the most out of it. Yeah. I want to touch on the new book in just a moment, um, yeah. but I want to I want to take a little bit step back in time. Um, the first book that I've, of yours that I read was Courageous Aging, mm-hmm. um, and I remember hearing about it through San Diego Oasis, and you came and did a, a class there. When I read the book, um, where I was in life is very different than where I am today. Um, wasn't married, wasn't even didn't even know my current spouse, but I had was just going through a divorce or just coming out of a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and dealing with you know my parents who are aging, um, I'm blessed that I have both of them still with me. Um, but I was in my mid 40s, mm-hmm. um, thinking I got all this time ahead. And you know, knock on wood, hopefully I do. But even just a few years later, it's amazing how life is different and life changes like that. Yes. My parents are still with me, but they are continuing to age. I'm married now. My boys are older. So just navigating the change. Um, and, and the aging process, uh, your book has been really a helpful tool I kind of lean on and kind of remembering those things and bringing it back to my, the forefront yeah. in my mind. Yeah. So I just I wanted to share that. No, that's, that's beautiful. You just defined what it means to live courageously. Courageous living is allowing ourselves to be aware that something is shifting inside. Something is changing. Some are... We're, we're transitioning into a new kind of awareness, a new kind of season, perhaps a new season of life. There have been changes, some of them planned, expected, desired, created, and some of them unexpected, even unwelcome, some of them tragic. And how do we, you know, how do we push the reset button? How do we, first of all, acknowledge? The first step is always acknowledging. It's like, Hey, something's stirring in me. I'm having all these emotions. Instead of hiding, denying, and repressing them, pushing them away and saying, oh, something's wrong, and I shouldn't even tell anybody about it. Instead of saying, hey, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, hey, something's going on. Your radar, your emotional radar system is working. It's trying to tell you something. Are you listening? And it's listening to what we're saying, what our system is trying to tell us. You know, if, if we have a bad meal, we have our digestive system yeah. telling us what's going on. All these systems, these brilliant thing called being a human being. We have these reporting systems that tell us, that give us message, messages about what's going on. We have pain, we're achy, um, or we love running and moving and uh, you know, and, and creating endorphins. And so, so all these systems give us this feedback. First step is to listen to the feedback. What's it saying to me? Well, hey, something's changing in your life. Okay, let me acknowledge that. It might even be helpful to acknowledge it with another trusted confidant. It could be our, our partner, our spouse. It could be a trusted buddy. Yeah, how many men are lucky enough to have a, an all-purpose friend, a male friend, 
with whom they can confide what's going on in their lives. Because that always hasn't been the case. Guys have been too much the competitor or the right. enemy. So confiding in somebody, it could even be a priest or a rabbi or a mom or God knows what. But, but we confide and we acknowledge it. So acknowledging it is the first step. Second is to look at our options. What are my options for going forward? I could deny this. A lot of people live in denial. I could acknowledge it and say, all right, here's what, here are some of the things I can do. And to create our own list of options. Then again, with a trusted confidant, I could always say, Bright, tell, could you give me some feedback? I've got this situation. Here's what I think my choices are. Maybe I haven't thought about all of my options. I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, this. And you could be my sounding board, my reality check, and say, Ken, I love all your options. Which one do you like the best? Or which one are you favoring? Or, you know, you giving yourself a time to kind of really uh, inquire and explore and investigate and research what the best options and let it settle in until you're ready to make a decision. So you would be my trusted confidant to help me think about my options. You might, and I might even say, Brian, is there anything that you see as an option that I haven't really considered? You know, you're, you're, I trust you. You're, you're a great critical thinker. You know, and you might say, yeah, you know, I was thinking, what if you did a hybrid version of number one and number three? You did little of this and a little of that. And that's like, thank you. What a blessing. What a gift. So I think the third thing is then to, imp is the implementation, is to begin to put, once I've come to a decision, to put that into action, create a critical path to completion, not with impatience, not with impulsivity, but to really say, let me take the time that's going to be necessary to turn this corner, to make this adjustment, you know, to do that. And here you are going through, and here I am, yeah. you know, going through age-related, relationship-related transitions. There are so many different kinds, job-related transitions. Look at the market and real estate. My God, mm -hmm. you know, my wife, Lisette, has had to go through major adjustments the world has changed. It's turned inside out in terms of real estate. You know, one minute it's skyrocketing, the next minute it's descending, and, and who knows where it's going and how to play, you know, how to really be successful. It's a, it's a, it's a time, it's such a, a, it's an inflection point, and nobody knows which direction it's going. So thank goodness there are people like you and Lisette, you know, who are guiding people, helping guide people, and encouraging people to take care of themselves while all this is going on, letting the stress build up to a toxic level, to a dangerous level where we're biting people's noses off or, right. you know, or biting our own nose off. So I think the, the final stage is that implementation, not the final, the third is the implementation. It's putting into action, having a great action plan, a critical path to get to where you want to go. And the fourth stage is as you start getting there, is keeping your hand on your heart and your foot off of your throat. It's practicing self-compassion, kindness, encouragement, acknowledgement, support, faith, all the good things that feed us, that allow us to breathe and to go on in the best ways possible. And so that, that last phase of 
keeping our hands on our heart and we're catching ourselves with those little foot on the throat things mm -hmm. like, you didn't go fast enough here. You, you didn't work hard enough. You could have gone further, you know. Well, the, the internal critic in us, in most of us, especially high achievers, you know, it goes wild sometimes, gets out of control, needs to be tempered and toned down. And by moving our foot off of our throat and our hand down to our heart, we create that self-compassion, the kindness that allows us to truly, organically, not with quick fix, you know, positive think is all it's going to take mentality or mindset, but with allowing ourselves to renew and replenish naturally, normally, and organically. So that's the plan. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. As you were talking, um, you, you threw out a word which I don't take lightly, and I remember, you know, the first time you said it, and it kind of caught me, is the word blessing. Um, you know, counting your blessings, appreciating your blessings, um, the blessings in your life. Um, and I think that we typically, we, our lives are so fast, and we're going through th phases so quickly that we don't always stop and pause and really count our blessings, those that we truly mm -hmm. have. The glass is not half empty. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be grateful for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not something we need to wait until a retirement party or a birthday or any event. It's, 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 a, it's a practice. Gratitude is a practice that needs to be cultivated so that we are living in the awareness of the blessings, the blessing of this life. Isn't it amazing enough? What else do we need? Isn't it amazing enough that we are on a planet that sustains life. We have morphed into human beings that can draw nourishment from air. We breathe, take in through our lungs. That we have these brilliant systems called bodies that are able to sustain life for a time period and that we get to take care of and be stewards of. Isn't it amazing enough that we are flying, soaring on something less than a grain of sand through not only a universe, but Neil deGrasse Tyson now tells us, we're not just in a universe, we are in universe is. There's an infinite number of universes, oh my God. Isn't that amazing enough? You know, when we think about the blessings, how blessed am I to have this existence, to have consciousness? I'm a conscious being that can be aware of itself, that can self-direct, that can self-educate, that can self-support, that can exchange love. Oh, I get to do it with somebody else? I get to have a relationship? I get to exchange love and affection and care. I get to choose that. I've also been given other choices. I can be mean and nasty and, and negative and dismissive and biased. I can do all these things, but... What a blessing that I've been put in a position to have this choice. So the blessing and, and gifts of our lives, I try to say every night, the last thing that Lisette and I will do is name a couple of things that happened today that made this a day worth living. It's like, oh my God, you know, I got a beautiful phone call. Sometimes it's not, you know, that we won the lottery or that the Padres won the World Series. Okay. It's that... I got a beautiful call today. 
or I got a letter, or I got an email, or I finished something, that closet I've been cleaning out, trying to unclutter, it's done. You know, I've been working at that thing for months. It's, it's something somebody said to us. It's an awareness that we had about appreciation. You know, sometimes our gratitude is in retrospect. I don't know about you, but I have my dad, both my parents passed. But my new book is dedicated to my dad. Why? Because there's been kind of an awakening in me about the shoulders that I've been stand that I stand on. I stand on my dad's shoulders. His generosity, his support, uh, meant the world to me, and has translated into making my life better, making me a better man. So, so sometimes it's a moment of appreciation. My dad's been gone for a, a lot of years. The other thing is, I'm named uh, recently. It was Holocaust Remembrance Day a couple of weeks ago, last week. And I dropped down into a level of thinking about that that I've never really ever touched. I was grateful for my Uncle Kassil, for whom I'm named. In Jewish culture and tradition, you're named for the last relative to have passed. Mm-hmm. And I was named for my Uncle Kassil, who died along with 33,700 other Jews in a place called Babi Yar, Ukraine. Was killed by German soldiers who assassinated by shooting and buried in mass graves. And my uncle was an attorney who fought and spoke out and said, this guy's going to kill all of us. Please, let's all wake up. He was a great man. And me appreciating him and appreciating what my grandparents, his, his other two siblings died in concentration camps, and my grandfather and his sister escaped and came to this country and had my mother. And, and so that family tree continued. But I was appreciating what it was it like for my grandfather? He lost his parents and his three siblings in concentration camps. What was it like for him to come to this country as an immigrant, completely with nothing, and to have to start over? And I thought, thank you, Grandpa, my Grandpa Jake. Thank you, Grandpa, for summoning the courage and the faith and the strength to go on in life because on your shoulders, look at this family tree that has grown and developed. So sometimes that gratitude is looking back. Sometimes it's looking forward, the opportunities ahead of us. You know, something say being happy is someone to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's grateful. Hey, I'm looking forward to these, to my grandkids, you know, seeing them every time I get a chance to be with them. And sometimes it's it's simple nuance, but you're 100% right that gratitude is one of the keys to happiness and health, prosperity, and to really bringing quality to our lives and keeping perspective, because sure enough, there are going to be things that we're not going to be grateful for. It's like, you know, learning to say, that really sucks when it does. 
learning to say, ouch, learning to say, I hate that this happened, are also important ways that our system gets to object to the parts of this life that are unwelcome, that are painful, that bring grief and sorrow and suffering. So it it keeps us balanced and it keeps our perspective, keeps us in game shape to play wherever the game of relationships, the game of work, the game of life, the game of health, and so on. Your, the books that you've written have been sort of a personal journey for you, and you, you've, I'm, I'm guessing, have grown through your books as you've written them, um, and they've been a, sort of a personal journey for you. Um, and they've, I'm guessing, have informed this next book in kind of where you're at in your own personal journey. So uh, what can people expect out of this book f- for, and your personal journey through it? It's amazing, Brian. This book is has I've started writing it. It started writing me. And in some way it started as a memoir. It's like everything I'm writing about I have passed through. The book starts with how we go on, the invitation to to really looking at this really taking self-inventory, looking at our lives and looking at the ways that we can go on, we can continue to become the best version of ourselves. But then it goes through all the stages of life, and including my own. So I can't write about how we go on as little kids unless I also am willing to write about me as a little kid. All the things that I faced. What was it like? My dad had a heart attack at age 35. What was it like as, for me as a little kid waiting for him to come home from the hospital? And, and my mother's admonitions, don't stress your father. We don't want him to die, you know, even when I was upset with him and angry with him or wondering about something. Don't stress him. What was that like for me? So I had to write about things that I hadn't thought about since I was a little boy. And then, you know, the chapters go on, how we go on as we become an older kid, you know, and a teenager. And we morph into a transition into young adulthood. What's those first steps out of the home into college or into the service or into right to work? What's it like for us? How did we do? How did we fare? What, what opinion did we render about ourselves? Hey, I'm a loser. I'm a winner. I'm a, you know, I'm a champ. I'm, I'm a superstar. I'm a rock star. What, what did we say to ourselves about ourselves? What did we inwardly feel? What did it take? for us to do that, to make those transitions. And right through every season and chapter of my life, right up till today, all the chapters of this book, and the last chapter of this book is about how we go on when we're no longer. Because most of us spend too much time either in dread or in fear or in chaos about dying. And we as a culture have helped people hide, deny, repress, avoid, outrun, outnumb. Um, and we've lived in fear and dread of getting older and of dying. Rather than saying, hey, you know what? This has always been a part of the deal. We all die. So how about I do something to help myself come to terms with that 
in some way, shape, or form. It could be through my faith. It could be through my imaginings. It could be through the leaving a legacy of love that I talk about in Courageous Aging. Doing things that I know will carry on. Taking care of my family. Leaving them with a legacy of love, not of chaos. Because I've put my house in order. And when I die, they're going to have enough to deal with their grief. They don't need to be looking through files, throwing, wondering what to throw out, what to do. I can take care of all that myself. Why wouldn't I? Why do I want somebody else to handle that? Isn't that my responsibility? So, so in the last chapter, it's about all the ways that we can come to terms with the end of life and with life going on without us being there physically but with our presence being felt in a loving, kind way, even leaving the future a little bit better so that the blessings and gifts that we just talked about can be enjoyed by our grandkids, our kids, our grandkids, their kids, and future generations. I love the seventh generation thinking, the Native American seventh generation, which is a beautiful concept of think ahead, to seven generations with the decisions you make about how we treat our planet, the environment, other people, all the political, do we stir up a political chaos and polarization and hatred by assassinating people who disagree, assassinating the character of people who disagree with us politically? Or do we allow, do we realize this is part of being in a democratic society is that we're going to have differences of opinion we need to work out. We need to learn how to get along with other people. Otherwise, we create war, whether it's political war, chaos, dissension. We walk around arrogantly saying, we've got the truth and you don't know crap you know, to other people we, with self-righteousness. How are we going to go on? We get to design our own character our own integrity, our own tone of how we operate in the world, and we can make good choices. And that's part of how we go on when we don't go on when life ends as we know it. Because who knows what the rest of it is. We're, we're part of a, a, a great mystery. We barely, we barely have scratched the surface of understanding what life is, what death is. We're in the middle of a mystery. And we can humbly accept that part of life is unknowingness, lostness. It's, it's okay to say to people, I really don't know. I don't know how that works. We need to make peace with unknowingness rather than always feeling like we have to have the answers. Yeah. I can't wait to read this book. Yeah, thank um, you. Um, your information's on screen. Your website you. is there. Um, I'm just going to show these in case they weren't able to be seen so far, but these are two of Ken's books. Um, courageous aging, rage, uh, raising an aging parent. Um, you got to read them because um, everyone is aging, you know. And so, why not do it courageously? Yeah. And that's called ripening. Exactly. <laughs> We're all ripening. Why not ripen, but in a you know, in the best of ways? Right. In the best of ways. For sure. Ken, thank you very much for joining me. Today. Thank you for the service you're providing to everybody and to our community by this great show. My pleasure.
Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.